Welcome back into Ride with the Tide, everybody. I'm your host, Austin Randolph, here with Ethan Haynes. How are you doing today, E? I'm good. Coming off a big win last night in Arkansas. Uh, basketball teams played really well these last couple games, and excited to see what they have in, in store for the future. You know, I think they have a really good shot of being a really making a good run in the tournament. Yeah, it was a it was a fun game last night. We didn't really play that well, honestly. Uh-huh. Um, big second half at the end of the quarter. Yeah, it seemed like we didn't. <laughs> we weren't clicking at all throughout mm-hmm. the entire game. And then uh, Nate Oates called that timeout, and we just came out firing. Hit three yep. threes in a row and kind of put the game to bed. Yep. I mean, that just kind of shows you how dangerous this team is and how danger- dangerous of a player that Brandon Miller is. Shoot. I mean, if you can uh, come out of that timeout and just knock down two daggers when you're being face guarded all game long and not able to get a shot up, I mean, right. it's a, that's a special type of player. But um, we should have a good episode in store today for you guys. Um this is going to be our uh, 2022 season recap episode. We're going to go over um, the season as a whole, talk about um, position groups, grade position groups, grade some uh, grade some players even, I think, is what we're going to do. Uh, talk about some players, everything as a, everything as a whole um, for this season. And um, we'll talk about, let's talk about basketball first. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that was last night. Uh, rolling right now. Yeah. Uh, I can't. I think since the last time we recorded, I think we ran Kentucky out of the gym, and uh, had that had that game last night versus Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, two pretty good wins right there. I know Kentucky's record is uh, is not that great, but the talent level is still there for them. So that's yeah. um, always a signature win whenever you can beat Big Blue. And then I saw that was like the first time we've won at Arkansas in like ten years. Forever. So. Um, Really good stuff there, and I was thinking to myself last night that might have been the only Alabama basketball team that I've ever seen that that wins that game last night with the way that we got into foul trouble, with the way that they were playing, with the way that arena was, um, the way that we were able to just kind of stay in the game all the way until the end and then um, put them away. Really, it was super impressive to me. Yeah, like you touched on there, when NATO's called the timeout, I think there was like four and a half minutes left in the game, and it was 65 to 65 or something like that. I think the final ended up being like 85 to 68. Yeah, it, or was, it was it was crazy. But that that the thing I'm pointing out there is Arkansas only scored three or some odd points at the last four minutes of the game. So whether Nate Oates changed up the defensive strategy or just fired the guys up, something changed, and it was really important to help us push through the rest of the game and pull ahead and blow them out even, I'd say. And the Kentucky game, Nate Oates went in with a game plan, and it was 100% foolproof from the beginning. I mean, we attacked their big guy on the inside. He couldn't even play with Betty Aka. I think that's the first time he's ever been out-rebounded in his career. And um, Betty Aka was outstanding. Sears was great. Miller struggled for a majority of the game, but at the end of the game, he had a great performance. And this that's the type caliber guys that Miller's going to be guarded for the rest of the year. I mean, they're going to have their biggest, most lankiest, best defender on him for the entirety of the season. And if he's able to put up numbers with that, that's outstanding because he's going to be a focus for teams, and that allows other players on the team to, to perform to their caliber. Yeah, I mean, other teams are trying to take away Brandon Miller, and, I mean, why wouldn't you try to take away Brandon Miller? Yeah. He's the best player in the conference. Um, best player in the country. So right when, they're face, when they're face guarding him, that kind of makes it four on four. Mm-hmm. And I, I still like our chances with the way Sears is playing right now, with the way Clowney's shooting the ball. Uh, and the way that Bradley and, and Quinterly can get to the rim, mm-hmm. it it really makes it hard to beat even even when they take away Brandon Miller. Um, but as we saw last night, it's impossible to take away Brandon Miller for a full forty minutes. He's going to be inevitable. He's the best player um, in the country, like you said. Uh, having him on our side is going to give us the advantage in every single game. Um, yeah, it's going to be real sad at the end of the year whether we win it all or not when we see four, probably our five starters, ending up leaving to go to the yeah, draft. Hopefully, hopefully not. Uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll, we'll look at it later on. But um, let's jump into uh, jump into football real quick and uh, talk about the 2022 season. Yeah, the first game that really stands out to me, obviously we play a wimpy opponent week one, so it doesn't really count. But then you move into Texas. And – we went into the game expecting it to be a good game for the majority of it, but for us to beat them pretty handedly, and that just wasn't the case. I mean, Texas should have won that game. I think without Ewers getting hurt, they probably do beat us because when he was in the game, they were rolling on all cylinders. We couldn't stop them on offense, and um, our offense itself didn't look very good either. We we just didn't really like we had a game plan going into the game, and it showed, and 
My my question to you on that is: Was that the starting of the end for you, or did you think even after that poor performance from our coaching standpoint with Bill O'Brien, did you think maybe it was just a a one-off type thing, and that we would have a better look going on into the season? You know, it was the second game of the year, so I had to believe that it was just a, a one-off type of thing, and it was going to get going because we were Alabama, and because we had the success in previous years that we've always had and because we have Bryce Young and because we have Nick Saban and because we have Jameer Gibbs and all these guys that it had to seem like an outlier, Mm -hmm. but it didn't. When you look back at the season, we all should have known in Texas when we had 25 penalties and couldn't move the ball besides broken plays and struggled and it took everything in us to get points on the board and, and somehow to win that game versus a, of a, a mediocre Texas team. And, I mean, you have to give Texas credit. They were fired up to play us, and, and they played really well in that game. But we did so many things to ourselves yeah. to keep them in that game. So uh, that probably was the beginning of the end of this year, and it sucks to say because that was the second game of the year. But looking back on it, if we watched our whole season over again, uh, taking off the Bama glasses, week two we would have said, this team – has a long way to go before yeah. they become the team that we all expected them to be and become the, the Alabama team that uh, we, we usually see. Yeah. I think, like you said, the biggest thing that really stood out to me and probably you and every other Alabama fan that watched that, we had 16-something penalties that game too, and that's just unheard of by a Nick Saban coach team. I mean, they're always disciplined and hard-nosed and whatnot, but 16 penalties, even what well, no, it doesn't matter it's on the road. But 16 penalties is not something you expect to see from Alabama. And I think that really set the tone for the rest of the year because we, we kind of got a feeling and understanding of what this team really was. Yeah, I mean, it continued all year long, like you said. It was just something that really shot us in the foot more so than we could do. I mean, you could have the best team in the country. and Hell, we arguably did have the, the best team in the country. But when you put yourself in bad positions like that all year long – uh, it's going to be hard for you to, to win games down the road, especially uh, on the road in these tough environments like we saw this year where we lost two of them because, yeah. honestly and truly, we beat ourselves more so than they beat us. Yep. Um, the next big game that really comes to my mind, even though it was a, eventually we ended up winning, it was the Arkansas game, another, like you said, road game that was really tough. And the thing that stands out most to me in that game is obviously the Bryce Young injury. Um, I think we were up 21 to nothing when Bryce was healthy. We were rolling down the field. They couldn't stop us. They didn't have a chance. And then Bryce gets injured trying to make a play, and the whole offense sort of – it didn't really stumble there because I think we ended up scoring the next two drives with Milrow at the quarterback. But then you get into that third quarter, and it was like, oh, my gosh, Arkansas is right back in this game. They're going to beat us. Luckily, then we had two or three big busted runs, I think one by Milrow and then two by um, Jameer Gibbs. But – it, that was that was a big turning point for us when losing our star quarterback when our other guys have no development in the past and that's something that really also stuck me over the season as a whole was our development of our younger guys but I just what was your thoughts when that happened and you saw Arkansas coming back and you was like oh my goodness and Bryce is out for a long term and Milrose our quarterback which we saw in the next week in the A and M game this this season could take a very bad turn for the worse yeah you said it was. I can't remember what the score was when Bryce got hurt. It was either 14 or 21 or nothing, but we were rolling and they couldn't stop us, like you said. And if I if I, if I had to pick a, a game or a certain instance when the season changed as a whole, mm-hmm. it was the Arkansas game. The Arkansas game changed our season. Yeah. If Bryce doesn't get hurt, who knows? We, maybe we beat Tennessee and maybe we beat LSU. And, I mean, that seems kind of dumb for me to say because of how good Bryce played in that Tennessee game and the plays that Bryce made in, those, in the LSU game for us to come back and uh, – to take the lead even in that game. But um, there were so many things that we couldn't do because he was out of practice and because yeah. he wasn't 100%. And mentally that, that hurts you more than physically, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that hurts you more than people can see. Uh, so I think the Arkansas game changed our season. And like you said, that um, Milrow's first couple of drives were completely fine. But after halftime, Arkansas made those adjustments. They weren't prepared for Milrow to come in the game in the second quarter. Um and when they did make those adjustments, the game got tight. And yeah. uh, luckily we were able to make some big plays, but that, that game changed our season, in my opinion, just because of that injury. Yeah, 100%. And like I, I touched on the A&M game on the week prior or the week after following the Arkansas game, and that was Melrose's first true start. Luckily it was a home game. If we were at A&M, it probably would have ended in a loss. But just what did you see as a whole from the offensive play calling and what we tried to do to help Melrose? Because me personally – 
we didn't really have any a Milrow offense, which was really surprising to me because he is a really special talent with his athletic ability. Not the best passer right now, but we didn't put him in any position to be that good passer that he could be. Yeah, that game was it's kind of weird to say because uh, we didn't have our, our full offense in that game, but that game for me may have been maybe Bill O'Brien's worst performance of the year, um, maybe in his career, just because he did not do anything to put Jalen Milrow in position to be successful in that game. I mean, his first start under the lights versus a talented team, they sucked, but they were talented. Yeah, a lot of talent. And they, we did nothing for him to be successful in the game. We ran the same offense. And uh, thank God we won the game, but we really should not have. That's another one that, that we really shouldn't have won the game. But mm-hmm. we didn't put Milrow in any position to be successful. We, why did we not get him on the edge and let him use his best tool is his, is his running? Yeah. We did nothing for that. I mean, he made a, he flashed a couple times in that game making some solid throws. But like you said, he's not a really good passer right now. Mm-hmm. And we tried to run the same offense with him, and it almost got us beat yeah. because we couldn't move the ball. Yep. Uh, who know, maybe if he doesn't fumble four times, maybe the Swiss score on some of those drives, but he doesn't know how to be a pocket passer right now, so yep. why the hell are we trying to make him a pocket passer in that game? And another thing that happened right there is we prepared Bryce Young all week to, to play in that game. Jalen Milrow took the second team reps all week, uh, that whole week, and he, Bryce even warmed up under the tunnel to try to go in that game. I mean, that says another thing about Milrow and how unconfident we are in him right now, uh, but... The fact that we weren't prepared to play Jalen Milrow in that game, it, it boggles my mind offensively. and it, it was a thing that kind of continued all year long. It's like we did nothing to we did nothing that we were good at. Yeah. We talked about tempo all year long. We didn't run tempo all year long until the Sugar Bowl when hell Joe Cox was probably calling the plays. Yeah. To be honest. Hopefully. <laughs> and we we didn't run tempo all year long and the times we did, we were so successful. And that just goes back to why did we not play Jalen Milrow to Jalen Milrow's strength in the Texas A&M game? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yep. Moving to some uh, sadder times for us, uh, the two losses this year. We'll start with the first one at Tennessee. Um, offensively, I thought we were outstanding, even with the still injured Bryce Young. He he played really good that game. I think he probably had 400, 500 passing yards. He had multiple touchdowns, multiple crazy plays, or he's running around all in the pocket, slings it up. Hopefully, Ja'Cory's down there somewhere. But defensively, for me, it was the biggest disappointment of an Alabama defense that I've seen under a Nick Saban team. Yeah. Even going back to when his first year, it was just no adjustments were made. We didn't put people in position to be successful, which is a common theme this year. And I, I just I don't understand how we have a box safety in DeMarco Hellams covering Jalen Hyatt, who is arguably the fastest player in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, if the first thing I'll say about that game, I'll start positive. If you weren't convinced that Bryce Young was special, even after every single game that he's played at Alabama up to the Tennessee game, mm-hmm. even though we lost, you were, you were taken away by Bryce Young and how special he was coming back from the injury, getting popped in the face like five times. Sorry, on call, on yeah, call. yeah, that – and uh, just the plays that he made to keep us in that game was unbelievably special. But moving on to the negative part, which was a lot more in that game, um, like you said, we we did not. That's another thing. We didn't put ourselves in position to be successful. I mean, Tennessee threw the ball fifty times. Yeah. So that wasn't like every single pass was bad. It's just they got the same matchup five times and exposed it five times. Mm-hmm. Like that cannot happen at all. And, and people want to get on Terry and Arnold for that game. And he made one bad play out of 30. Mm-hmm. And people want to get on to Marco Hellams, and rightfully so, for that game. He made four bad plays out of 40. I mean, yeah. it's more so – that was one of the, more so on Pete Golding, I think, than the players. Um, the players, yes, the players do have to execute. Pete Golding's not the one that's covering Jalen Hyatt, but Pete Golding is the one designing the mismatch right. uh, to put DeMarco Hellams on Jalen Hyatt, and that's just another thing that, that cannot happen yep. multiple times. If it happens once, it happens once. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to Josh Heupel. You out Pete Golden that one yep. time, but it cannot happen over and over and over and over again like it did. Yeah. yeah. Another thing from that game, similar to the Texas game that we almost lost, multiple penalties, double-digit penalties that really cost us, even though there were a couple of them that were wishy-washy, shouldn't be called, the pass interference from 30 yards away. But 
I mean, just another undisciplined performance that led to a loss. And our other loss on the year, LSU game, once again, another really good game offensively from Bryce Young and the offense as a whole. Um, we were had multiple chances to win that game, and we just didn't do it. And at the end of the game, it was another time where the defense just didn't perform to our expectations. There were multiple third and longs that we gave up, whether it was a QB run or a wide-open receiver. And it's another thing, just no adjustments were made by Pete Golding and the defensive staff. And I just don't understand. You have Jaden Daniels, who is a, a mobile quarterback, a dual-threat guy who runs more than he throws. He's a better runner than he is a thrower. And we don't have a QB spy on him when it's third and long. And he takes advantage and runs it every time for the first down. Then you get to the end of the game where they score and it's, they have a chance for two point conversion and they kick the field goal or kick the extra point. They line up for two and they send the tight end in motion and he comes right back across the field and he's wide open. Every time that tight end had been in motion to that side the entire game, he'd come back across for a little um, dink and dunk route. And we just didn't pick that up. And I just don't understand how these guys are paid hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to coach for Alabama, and they can't pick this stuff up. Yeah, that was, uh, that was probably the most obvious two-point play that uh, that I've ever seen. Yes. He's screaming at the TV saying that the tight end was about to run on that release and get the ball. And You mentioned that it was a, a great offensive game. I think you may have gotten, may get uh, your mind boggled because of Bryce Young's greatness at the end of the game. Our first touchdown didn't come until the fourth yeah. quarter. So it we moved the ball, but it wasn't a great we offensive didn't score. Yeah, it wasn't a great offensive game. So I think that's on offense and defense. The reason we lost that game, we couldn't get anything going. And I look back at the first drive when Bryce Young threw that interception in the end zone, and we had moved the ball down the whole, moved the ball down the field with ease, and and we throw a pick in the end zone. And I'm sitting there on the couch watching the game, and I'm just like, oh, we're fine, mm-hmm. we're fine. We moved that ball so easily, and then we we struggled to do it the rest of the game, but. Bryce Young, once again, showed how great he is to make an unbelievable play to get that ball to Ja'Cory Brooks yeah. down the field and, and give us the lead. I saw something where we never left the field in the fourth quarter without the lead uh, with Bryce Young after an Alabama drive. So um, crazy stuff from him right there. But after we scored to take the lead, we could not step up on defense nope. at all. We let Jaden Daniels run 60 yards straight through us. And that's something that um, – that just can't happen. Like you said, over and over again this year, we didn't make the adjustments. We weren't put into position to be successful. So, um, yes, the players do have to execute, but the people that are coaching the players have to execute as well, and that's something that wasn't happening in both of the losses. Yeah. Um, the final game I want to touch on, if you have any other games you want to go over, is you can. But the final game I want to touch on is ending on a high note with the bowl game last weekend. And um, – just great performance from everybody, I thought. Offensively, other than the first half or first quarter, we were outstanding. I think we almost scored pretty much every drive, whether it was a touchdown or a field goal. And then defensively, we played outstanding aside from that first quarter also. And really, that first quarter was just one big busted run from Deuce Vaughn. You take that 88-yard run away, I mean, we we still blew them out, but we blow blow them out. And it was it was really good to see the older guys step up. I mean – Obviously, we expected it from Bryce, and we expected it from Jameer. But the defensive side, Battle played a really good game. Helms played a really good game. Brian Branch, I mean, he exposed his secret as the most underknown, uh, most non-recognized star in college football when he had 14 tackles, five for loss, a sack, a forced fumble, a pick, whatever. I mean, and I mean, it was just really good to see all the guys come out there and play, even though they could have sat out and still been first-rounders. It really set the standard for Alabama moving forward into the future. Yeah, that was – I mean, it sucked that it took the whole season to do it, but that was our best game of the year. Uh, we put it all together at the mm-hmm. end. And uh, I, I am glad that we went out on a high note. It kind of makes me rethink this season, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it just puts a fresh taste in my mouth up of what we saw this year. Um, we touched on that a lot last week. I want to touch on the Auburn game a little bit. Uh, yeah. Offensively, I thought we looked really, really good in that game again. Um, if you notice – Auburn and Kansas State, both of those games, our offensive scheme was completely different. I'm not saying somebody else was calling the plays. Maybe they were. Yeah. Uh, defensively in that game, I mean, Robbie Ashford can't throw from here to this wall three feet in front of me that I'm <laughs> sitting in front of. He sucks. He's terrible. Yeah. And he's, we, a, he's a running back playing quarterback. Yeah, he's not good at all. And he ran for like 150 yards. Um, 
on the same on the same design run every single time, and we had no idea how to stop it. Some of the time, I, I went back and watched that game recently. Some of the times it was on Henry Toa Toa, mm-hmm. just because he was feeling he wasn't feeling the right gap. He left his scheme. Uh, he was the spy in that game on some plays, and he just left his uh, left his contain. So some of that is on him. But if he's not doing the job right, get his ass out of the game and get someone else in. That was the thing that that kind of pissed me off for that game. Uh, but Kansas State wise, I thought we looked great. So we're going to end the uh, games recap on that right there. And we kind of we came up with some midseason or we did midseason grades for uh, for position groups. Uh, so we capped it off with some uh, end of season grades for position groups as well. If you want to get that started, yeah. Starting with quarterbacks, I gave them an A minus as a whole. Bryce, I gave him A slash A plus because obviously he's the best quarterback in college football. Going to arguably be the number one pick in the draft this year. But as a whole, I gave him A minus just because we looked really good at times. But when it wasn't Bryce, I mean, obviously the Miller game was just terrible. As as bad as it is to say, it was just terrible. And not only was that on Milro for just not being comfortable, but that's on the coaches and development programs because they don't develop our guys, and that's something that we've harped on all year is that we get into these blowouts and we bring in the backups and all we do is hand the ball off. And that's just not how you develop guys. But in in the end, I gave them an A minus as a whole. Oh uh, yeah. I also gave them, I gave them an A as well. I thought um, maybe it wasn't as good as last year from Bryce Young, but for what uh, he had to work with and, and what he had to go through, it was just as good as last year from Bryce Young, if not better. I mean, his numbers were down, but his draft stock might have gone up this year. So uh, that says something about him. Yeah. But uh, you mentioned it and hit the nail on the head with the backup quarterbacks. And I know that when we put Ty Simpson in the game, he's not going to sling it all over the yard. And when we right. put Jalen Milrow in the game, he's not going to throw it every single play. But when we're beating teams, we I mean, we didn't get the opportunity to put him in a lot of games that we were in, quote-unquote, garbage time. But mm-hmm. um, there was a few games where we did. Yeah. And he did not uh, – throw the ball when he did it was one one throw three for three drives so if we ever plan on playing Jalen Milrow or Todd Simpson to be our, our quarterback in the future and um we are because yeah. that's all we have on the roster going into next year we kind of did a bad job of developing developing them and we kind of failed them uh not getting them ready at all with any type of real game experience I mean Going back on the Texas A&M game, it was a good thing that Milrow played. It was a bad thing he played as poorly as he did. But uh, at least he has a little bit of experience now. Um, but as a whole, for the quarterback development, I thought it was pretty poor from what uh, what we tried to do with those guys. Yeah, nothing gets you more prepared for in-game live situations than live game reps. But that's just my final thought on that. Um, running back-wise, I thought they, they did really well. I gave them a B-plus. I think if you look at Jameer Gibbs for the majority of the season, you could say he was an A. I mean, he was our whole offense aside from Bryce. And Jace, he kind of started off slow but picked it up really really well towards the end, still waiting to hear whether he's coming back or going to the draft. I mean, personally, I want him to go to the draft for himself because I think he'll have a better chance of getting drafted higher this year than next year just for the amount of carries he'll have next year. But if he comes back, that would be a really good leader to have on the team as a running back. But – Running backs as a whole, I thought they did really good for us this year. There are a couple of key moments where we had a drop pass that would have helped us win the game or we missed a hole or missed a block and all that. But for for the majority of the season, I thought they looked really good. Yeah, I, I gave them a B as well. Um, like you said, Jameer Gibbs at times was our whole offense all year long. Uh, busted play to Jameer Gibbs was our whole offense all year long, it seemed like. Uh, Jace McClellan, it was kind of a, a – a three-part story for his season. He started off really good. Uh, that Texas game mm-hmm. had that big run. Uh, at the beginning of the season, we were saying he was our best true running back. And then um, through the middle of the year, he kind of – I don't know if he was dealing with some injuries maybe or something, but uh, the same burst wasn't there. He wasn't hitting the hole as hard. He really wasn't getting the same amount of carries that he was getting uh, towards the start of the season. And then towards the end of the season, he uh, proved that he was still a good back. He had some really good bursts. Had some really nice runs in these last couple of games. Yeah. Uh, so if he does come back, which I'm assuming that he's going to come back right now, uh, I would be shocked if he entered the draft. He's going to be a good back for us next year. He's going to get the majority of the carries, I believe, um, be the starting running back. And uh, I I have high expectations for Jace McClellan going into the next year. And then uh, the other two guys, with Roydell Williams, for what he was asked, asked to do, he was pretty solid for the most part. And then um, – Jamari Miller looked great to me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Moving on to receivers, I think we're we're on the same page here with our grades for them. I think we both gave them a C. Um, for the first 12 games, I'd say, maybe 11 games of the season, it was awful. Couldn't get open, couldn't catch, just bad route running, nothing after catch. And a lot of that is on our development as a receiver and coach. Hopefully I've heard that he might be going to Texas, so praise God if he does. <coughs> but if he doesn't, I mean, we, we need to see more development from the receivers here next year. But um, at the end of the year, I mean, I'd give them a B, B plus. They looked really good. They were running crisp routes. They were catching everything. They hit their hands. They were making plays after the catch, and it was a tale of two different stories. But for, for the majority of the, the season, our receivers were honestly our weakest link as a team, and that's really sad for us from the success we've had as receivers in the past. Yeah, it held our offense back for, uh, <laughs> for a long time this year. I gave them a C as well just because of the last two games. I thought they were uh, borderline A in the last two games, like you said, but borderline F in the in the first yeah. 12. So maybe it's recency bias that we're giving them a C. Maybe they deserve a D. Yeah. Uh, but right now, I mean, from what's on my mind, they, they went out solid. So it yeah. uh, was good to see that. But uh, like you said, you mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking about the running backs that maybe if we didn't drop a pass, then – uh, it would have won us a game or something like mm-hmm. that. But the the sad part about that is you're mentioning that you're mentioning that under running back and not receiver. Yeah. The fact that our running back was our best receiver for the first eleven games of the year is is an issue uh, that can't happen under any winning team. Uh, so uh, the receivers they did get better towards the end, but they were a very disappointing part of our offense this year. Uh, really held our offense back more than anything, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Holman Wiggins going to Texas, uh, possibly. I, I praise God that uh, Sark is that stupid and does that. Maybe, maybe Sark's back on the bottle if he's taking Holman Wiggins yeah. from us. Uh, let's let's go to tight end. Tight end, I went with a B minus. You know, they didn't really do anything out of the ordinary. But for what we asked them to do, I thought they did really good. And and Cameron Latu, another good season from him, I thought, made a lot of big plays for us when it was third and six, third and seven, where we needed our guy, our sure-handed pass catcher. And that was Latu this year. Um, Our other guys, Oots, started off at the beginning of the year. It was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's terrible. (laughs) But moving forward into into the season, he got – I guess maybe he was developed more, which is an unheard of thing this year. But – he, he started playing better. He had better blocks. He even made some catches and made some plays for us. But I think the tight end room is going to be really good next year. We got Dupree coming in and um, Nye Black. I think he's going to be really special too. Put some weight on him. But tight ends for, as a whole, I gave him a B minus. Yeah, I gave him a C plus for what we asked him to do. It wasn't a whole lot. Uh, they were good. I think Latu is a good player. I think we're going to miss Latu. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe that's an unpopular opinion. I don't know how uh, our fan base as a whole feels about Latu. Uh, sometimes I hate him. But uh, for the most part, he does a good job of what he's asked to do. And you mentioned Robbie Uge kind of coming along towards the end, uh, which was kind of good to see. Hopefully going into next year he can carry that momentum. Uh, but, yeah, I gave him I gave him a C+. Plus. Um, offensive line I thought was, aside from maybe our quarterbacks, was our best group on offense this year. Um, they were really good. I know they gave up some sacks and whatnot, but if you look at those sacks, the majority of them were – five or six seconds plus that we were giving pass protection to Bryce, but he couldn't get the ball off because the receivers weren't getting open. But I think our offensive line did really good. I know we're losing, I think, two guys, three, I guess, if you count transfer portal, but I think Booker's a better replacement there personally. So we're losing a couple guys, so I'll be interested to see who we replace them with. But our offensive line this year, I think, took a step in the right direction. They did. I, I agree with that. Uh, I gave them a, a B as well. I think that uh, – Wolford was he's our ride with the tide pod coach of the year. Yeah. Uh, I think that pa- pass pro wise we were really really good. I think uh, run block wise we we had our struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some of that is due to our run schemes. Uh, I'm not really sure. Maybe they just weren't matched up as well. We're not. The, I'm not the best O line evaluator. <laughs> uh, but maybe they weren't matched up as well. I still think that. Uh, our inside zone, kind of our runs on the inside zone, when we pulled a guard, we were pretty much unstoppable mm-hmm. throughout the whole part of the year. And then uh, that just goes back to another thing is why don't we do that more often? Uh, so I think offensive line was great. And you mentioned Tyler Booker. I think he's going to be a special player. Uh, I think he is going to uh, kind of lead that offensive line next year, him and, yeah. and him and J.C. Latham. I thought both of those guys played really, really well this year. 
Yep, I agree. Um, Defensive-wise, moving to the defensive side of the ball, starting with our interior defensive linemen, um, I thought they played really well this season. There were some moments where they were the best defensive line in the country, and then there were moments where it was like, oh, my gosh, get them off the field. But I gave them a C. I thought they were right in the middle of things, you know. Um, We had a really good pressure in moments, but then when we needed them to get pressure, it was like they couldn't move a, a glass bottle. Um, so our defensive line, I thought they, they were good this year, but there there is room for improvement, and I expect to see that going into next season. Yeah, I gave them a C-, minus, but I wish I could do individual grades right here because Byron Young and Jaheim Otis, I would give them really yes. good grades. I, an underrated part of this year that's not getting talked about a lot at all, I think, is uh, when Justin and Boigby became unavailable because mm-hmm. our defensive line was a completely different defensive line while he was – uh, playing and then once he uh, had that unfortunate neck injury, I mean it was completely different. Like we uh, were not getting the same type of uh, production from our defensive line, and that kind of made us uh, had to play. Like that's the reason we had to play Will Anderson on the defensive line as much as we did, mm-hmm. uh, because we just didn't have the personnel ready. And maybe that's development. Maybe that's just the guys just weren't ready weight wise. I'm not really sure, but uh, there there was issues on the defensive line that uh, kind of held our defense back a little bit, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the injury there because when a boy view was healthy and our edge rushers get pressure so often so quickly, the quarterbacks have to step up into the pocket. And when we had a boy be Byron Young and Otis or Dale even and that interior defensive lineman, they could contain that and allow us to get a sack. But without a boy be the quarterback was able to run free. Um, speaking of Will Anderson and our edge rushers, that outside linebacker, I gave them an A-. minus. I thought they were really good for a majority of the year. If we could tackle once we get to the quarterback, I would have given them an A+, plus because I guarantee there are about 50 broken sacks this year. Um, but just the amount of times that they got pressure and got back there into the backfield, it was outstanding to see. I'm really looking forward to Broswell and Dallas Turner next year. As the edge rushers, I think it would be another good season for our edge rushers. Um, Turner needs to step it up a little bit. I think he kind of regressed this year from what we saw his freshman year. But a lot of that's because people are, are realizing, hey, he's, he's a really good player too. So I'll, I'll be interested to see what they do next year. But this year I thought they were arguably one of our best units defensively with the A-. minus. Yeah, I gave them an A as well. I mean, it wasn't the flashy numbers that Willie Anderson had last year to where he was getting Heisman votes. But, I mean, he was still the – the Bedneric winner. I mean, he won the best defensive player in the country award winner. So he was mm-hmm. he was obviously still really good. Um, I think yeah, they won a lot of their one on ones and got to the quarterback a ton. They didn't have those gaudy numbers because the quarterback was able to step up and, and get thirty yards because we didn't have a damn spy. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, if, if we could, I wonder how many missed sacks we had. I bet it's the most in the country. If we had <laughs> that, then I, it would have been a plus for sure. Yeah. Um, but they won a lot of their one-on-ones and kind of they ruined a lot of game plans, and that cheetah package was really unstoppable at times. I hope we continue to see that. I, I think we have the personnel to continue to see that, and I think that's kind of a thing that's going to be unstoppable going forward because, I mean, it's hard to contain the speed. Mm-hmm. Um, moving into our inside linebackers, I think we were kind of similar on this one also. I gave them a B-, minus, which might be like, whoa, I didn't think our linebackers played that well. But for the majority of the year, they play really good as an inside linebacker unit. Um Henry T gets a lot of hate because he is that middle linebacker and they're the captain and the centerpiece of the defense. And he did make a lot of bad plays this year, but overall I thought he played really well. Um, Jalen Moody, when he was healthy, he played really well. I mean, he was arguably our best defensive player for the first four or five games. And then the new guy, Deontay Lawson, I'm really excited for him. I thought he really came onto the scene here at the end of the year. He's fast, he's physical, he's hard-nosed. He's going to be special. But I think our inside linebackers played better than people give them credit for. I think there was room for improvement, and I expect to see that next year. Yeah, I gave them a B-. minus. I thought they were okay. Um, there was a lot of times where we were like, Henry T., what are you doing? Where are you at? Mm-hmm. He was in position. Just it's just make it. like – I like Henry T. Uh, he gets a lot of flack, and I mean, he he misses a lot of tackles, and I mean, he gets beat a lot. But he's always he's usually in the right spot. He's just not physically good enough. I think I don't think yep. he's physically good enough. I, he's not. That sucks to say. I mean, he's not strong enough. I don't think he's big enough. I think he's not fast enough. It's like sometimes he's just out of the picture because the athleticism doesn't match up with the guy that he's supposed to be on. Uh, so that's a thing that that really hurt us a little bit this year. Is the uh, the athleticism on Henry T.'s part wasn't that great, and then. Um, Jalen Moody, it kind of seemed like he hit his wall after the first four or five games. And um, 
couldn't really get anything else going. He had, he had some some injuries that kept him off the field and, and stuff like that, but he kind of hit a wall and, and didn't really pump up or anything mm-hmm. like that. And then, But Deontay Lawson, like, I don't – why was he not playing all year long? I don't know if he didn't know the defense or what, but there's no way someone who's that physically gifted and that good of a football player is not on the field. As, as great as Saban is, is his one of his biggest – issues for me is his loyalty to his older guys and I mean I understand that those guys are going to get the first reps but dang dude Deontay Lawson is he's good he needed to play all year in my opinion yeah I agree he's special and I really expect him to get he's going to be the guy next year on defense for us um moving on to cornerbacks I thought they were outstanding this year I gave him a minus um Kool-Aid McKinstry if we did single player grades I mean we've talked about him he's an a plus he was the best corner in the nation this year. Um, aside from him, you had Terion Arnold, who people gave him a lot of hate. But for the, overall, I thought he was really good. He gave up one one big play, maybe two big plays. I think he gave up one to Evan Stewart and then one in the Tennessee game. But overall, he was really good for a guy who is just learning to play corner. He's just come into his own. And um, Eli Ricks, I mean, whenever he played, he was really good. I wish we could have seen him more. Obviously, he's going to the draft now. We won't have him next year. And, our nickel guy who you can say he's a safety. I consider him a corner when he plays in the nickel position. Brian Branch was, like you said, every podcast, the best kept secret in the nation. He is arguably our best defensive player this past year. But I think the corners did really good for what we had them do. They play a lot of man bump coverage where you're one-on-one with the guy. And for the majority of the year, we won. Yeah, I gave them a B-plus as well. I think that uh, Kool-Aid was maybe our best player on defense aside from Brian Branch. Um, maybe even better than Will Anderson. I mean, he he locked himself into a top 10 pick spot for next year's draft, I think, already. And then uh, Terrigan Arnold, like you said, he played he played well for the guy that's never played corner in his life. I mean, he's on a football team. Either the kicker, corner, or quarterback are the most hated players on the team. Yeah. Every single team. So, uh, us this year, it was corner and Terry Arnold just because he wasn't as, as good as Kool-Aid was this year. But every first-year corner is going to struggle a little bit, and, and we saw that a little bit from Terry Arnold. But for the most part, he was good. I'm excited for Terry Arnold to play corner next yeah. year. And uh, Eli Ricks, it sucks that we only really got four games of Eli Ricks, but um, he was pretty good when he played. I mean, I know he had that those a few moments in the LSU game where he kind of got lost and um, – they hit us on a big play late in the game, and it looked bad on him. But when he played, I mean, for the most part, he was good. There's a reason he declared for the draft. He got mm-hmm. a, a decent grade. Mm-hmm. So um, corner as a whole I thought was pretty good for us this year. Yeah. Moving on to what I think was our weakest group, maybe as a team this year, maybe wide receivers you could say. But I'm, I'm going with this group just because of what we've known them for was our safeties. I mean, Helms and Battle were supposed to be – Battle is supposed to be a first-team All-American – Helms, I mean, obviously not to that standard, but Helms was expected to be really good too, and they just didn't impress me this year. I mean, a lot of missed tackles, a lot of blown coverages, a lot of just not being where you're supposed to be, and for guys who are fourth-year players, that's, you just don't expect that from them. So I, I, I gave them a C. I didn't think they were really up to standard this year. Yeah, I gave them a C also. They were not they, they were pretty disappointing to me. Um, probably the most disappointing group aside from wide receiver. I think uh, both of them are kind of on the same level. Uh, it was just like, where were they all year long? And I mean, it was kind of – DeMarco Hellum started out pretty good. Like, he was making tackles. And then the Tennessee game came around, and they schemed him to where they had him in coverage, and it was a disaster. And then that can kind of continue to happen at spots throughout the year. So once they got the blueprint on DeMarco Hellums, it wasn't uh, wasn't very good from him. But uh, it was just – the issue for me was battle. Like, mm-hmm. he, where was he? I understand maybe they were trying to go away from him a little bit, but uh, there were times where they went at him and, and they had success too. And then just the, the missed tackles from him. Like it just kind of seemed we needed someone on defense in the back end. It didn't end up being Kool-Aid, but we needed someone in the back end to be like, I'm the guy, like I'm the leader of the defense. Yeah. And nothing, you can't get anything past me. Right. And it just wasn't there from him. Yeah. The final group that we're going over is our special teams group as a whole. I gave him a C plus, and that's not because of the missed field goals or stuff like that, but just the lack of concentration and whatnot from even the coaches. I mean, there were multiple times where we'd come off a timeout and we'd be on special teams and we'd run 12 guys out there. 
Um, the muffed punt in the Tennessee game where we have a guy diving onto a ball that wasn't touched by anybody. Like, that's on the coach. That's on him. That's on the coaching, too. How, how does he – why is that happening? Um, our coverages weren't that great this year. Um, I think the only highlight on special teams for me this year was honestly James Burnup. I thought when he had to punt the ball this year, he punted really well. Yeah, I gave him a C as well. I, I thought our, our uh, coverage was pretty bad. Um, we snapped a ball 30 feet to the side versus <laughs> Arkansas. I, it was, I didn't think the special teams was very good. The, the plus for me, you said punting, which I thought was pretty solid as well. I, I mean, I thought that Kool-Aid did a really good job in the return game too mm-hmm. uh, when when he got the opportunity. But that that does our, our season grades. We're going to jump into you guys' questions real quick. we got a lot of good ones, so we'll go through these real fast. Yeah, the first one, it's two people kind of asked a similar question here, Kijani and the Taylor Goodwin. Um, biggest surprise player this past year, both good and bad in terms of performance. For me, the, I'll start with the good. For me, it's Kool-Aid. I mean, I expected him to be good, but, I mean, I didn't expect him to be a guy that they you could not throw and complete a pass on. Like, he right. was the best corner in the country mm-hmm. all year. So, I, th- I think that the biggest surprise uh, positively was Kool-Aid being as good as he was. Yeah, it's hard not to go Kool-Aid. I'm going to choose someone different just for the – majority of us but um kool-aid's 100 percent probably the guy to go for surprise wise um someone that you brought up who i hadn't thought of originally jamaria miller to me even though he didn't have the amount of carries as the other guys and didn't get the touches that he probably deserved when he was in the game and got the ball he was amazing he probably averaged like eight nine yards per carry he was running people over, running through guys. I mean, he was really impressive running the ball. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him run the ball next year. I think he'll get more carries and will continue to see more carries, hopefully, because I don't want him to enter the portal and play against us. Um, who, who would you go for on your like most disappointing player, I guess you could say? As much of a, a known Holman-Wiggins hater that I am, and I am a Holman-Wiggins hater, I have to go with Jordan Battle. I think uh, the – being a fourth-year guy, the, the veteran player in the secondary, it just wasn't there from him all year long. And uh, I think that kind of held us back on defense some. Yeah, I think for, for me, my worst surprise guy, I, I'm going to go – I'll steal your Holman-Wiggins one here. I'll go Jermaine Burton for the majority of the year. Um, coming in, we set expectations to, for him to be a James, the next Jameson Williams. So we expect him to have 1,600 yards, 17 touchdowns and whatnot. And the first game, it, he had – like 70 yards and two touchdowns, and it was like, oh, gosh, we got the guy. We got our guy. And he was unheard of for the next eight or nine games after that. So I would, I'll go Jermaine Burton. He really turned it on at the end of the year. I think he finally started to get comfortable with himself and his um, place on the team, and I think he'll be a really big leader for us and a good player for us next year. Um, from Bassin24, any news on any possible OC hires or are we promoting from within? Um, I mean, there's – Obviously, names that are floating around throughout everything, but um, I think that uh, promoting from within is something that may happen. You know, it's kind of scary when you do that just because you don't know if a guy's ever called plays before, uh, like Joe Cox. We don't know if he's ever really called plays before. So um, I know that's a name that's been brought up a lot uh, lately, but uh, it's just who knows. We got, we're going to have to wait a couple more weeks, I think, for that. Yeah, there's no new news that has been broken that or any whispers that are going around. I know everyone's talking about Kingsbury or Garrett Riley or Joe Cox, even like you said, promoting from within. But there's nothing that's been like whispered out or secrets that are being told that anything that we've heard there. Um, from Jacob Monks, do we land Cormani? Uh, it'd be interesting to see. We're gonna put the full court press on him, so yeah. Uh, hopefully we do. I'm not really sure uh, if we will, but I hope we do. Yeah, he, he's a really special player. I'd love to have him. He could arguably be our, a starter next year. I mean, he's that talented of a corner, but I, I don't know with him and the Desmond Ricks beef that they have. Yeah, we I, have, I don't know how. I don't know if we've gone over has. that on the ride with the Tide Pod. <laughs> Maybe we will next episode. Um, from Team Bama, how different do you think our season would have been without Bryce's shoulder injury? I think it would have been very different. Uh, him being limited in practice, I think, was a a, a big detriment to the team. Uh, him. Maybe not having the same confidence that he had as a quarterback is a big detriment to the team. And you said Jermaine Burton, uh, rightfully so, for your disappointment. But there were so many times where he was there on a play and and we couldn't get the ball to him. So, uh, I mean, I don't know what his final stats would have been, but if we got him the ball every single time that he had someone beat over the top, you can add 300 more yards and, and four or five more touchdowns. 
Yeah, I think that was the, like we talked about earlier, that was the turning point of the season for us. Even though when Bryce came back, he was still really good and performed really well. Just the, the reps and practice reps and game reps that you get with the guy throughout the season makes a complete difference. And like you said, I think you hit it best that there were a lot of big plays that we just missed on the throws on that it probably would have been a completion if he was healthy. I mean, you saw later in the year they were hit. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll do a two-parter two here from Kajani. He says, why can't people understand the difference between best and most deserving team? And then do we really deserve the right to complain about the committee after losing two games? Uh, yes and no, because I do think we were one of the four best teams. Uh, and we could have contended for the national title this year more so than what we watched. Um, but, I mean, I don't really think we have a right to be super mad at them just because uh, we didn't really we, – we did it to ourselves as much as uh, I would hate to uh, admit that. But we, yeah. did it, we did it to ourselves. And uh, it does suck that it is – they went with the most deserving instead of the four best because yeah. – um, kind of, they tried to make a, they tried to make college football a Disney movie, and it's yeah. not, that's not what it is. Yeah, I mean, as you said best there, they kind of tried to make it like a participation party here, where uh, TCU deserves to be in, and I agree, they des- they were more deserving to be in the college football playoff than we were. But the committee has always said it's the four best teams make it, so I don't know why all of a sudden it changed because Alabama was one of the four best teams, but I do think it's hard to complain about not making it because we did lose two games. If we win one of those games or both of those games like we should have and could have, then we're not even talking about We're probably celebrating either a natty right now or being in the natty, one of the two. Um, and from Team Bama, I know y'all just want him gone, but where do you think Bill O'Brien is going to end up? I think he's going to end up somewhere in the NFL as, a, uh, as an offensive coordinator, whether it's New England or someone else. I think someone is going to take him – uh, to the NFL and how these things work is Saban is actively trying to, to find him a job as yeah. as uh, much as he's trying to find him a job Saban's trying to do the same thing and um, they're kind of working together to get him out of here so I don't think he'll be extended uh, I would be really shocked if he comes back to Alabama I think they're they're kind of mutually working to find another job for Bill O'Brien yeah I, I think anywhere but here is a good spot for him <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's back in the NFL. He's an NFL guy, NFL mindset. A lot of people have been pointing towards the Patriots. They just released Matt Patricia, so I think Bill O'Brien's probably the perfect guy to fit in there. Um, from Rammer Jammer, how would you, how would any person claiming sobriety not have Bama in the top four? I'm assuming he's talking about following the bowl season. And for me personally, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. It's like I said earlier, they're trying to make a Disney movie out of TCU. Uh, at no point all year long were they ever the second best team in the country. Did they ever look like the second best team in the country? They, I mean, they just got beat by sixty freaking points and yeah. went up a spot. So, yeah. like I said, Disney movie. Um, I, I like I said earlier, I just I don't know how you don't have Alabama in the top four after what you saw us do to Kansas State and what you saw the other teams do in their bowl games, but. Uh, that's not for me to, to decide there. From Wyatt Hastings, dual threat quarterbacks really hurt the defense this year. Did we not have a spy on them, or was there another reason on why that happened? Yeah, we touched on this earlier. Um, there were times that we did have a spy on them and we lost contain. There was also times where we did not have a spy on the quarterback, and we should have. So uh, you can blame Pete Golding, and you can also blame the players on that. I think it's going to go both ways and combine into just one big problem that we had all year. Yeah, I think it's a, a good mix of both. Golding not scheming the correct way, and then when we had guys in position, they either didn't make plays or they were not in position. So I think it's a 50-50 mix there for both of those guys. Um, from Bama 316, realistic expectations of the new coaching staff and position changes or and O-line expectations next year? Uh, I expect the O-line to be really, really good. Um, there's going to be some coaching changes. Uh, I think what he had – expectations yeah. for coaching changes yeah. I think that we're going to see a new offensive coordinator maybe we see a new defensive coordinator not completely sure on that yet uh, I do think that Holman Wiggins will go to Texas uh, thank God and uh, I mean we're going to try to fill the safety coach role for Charles Kelly not really sure who who's what names are on the board yet so it'll be interesting to see there what we have and then uh, what was the third part it was uh, O-line expectations. Okay, yeah. Well, I think they're going to be really, really good. Um, we'll go, we're going to go over. We're going to do a 2023 season preview next week and kind of do a, a, a depth chart kind of preview. So we're going to go over that then. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I expect the O-line to perform even better th- next year than they did this year. I think we're going to continue making strides in the right direction. 
Um, coaching changes wise, uh, obviously I think Bill O'Brien's out, so we'll need to bring in a new coordinator. Whether, like we said earlier, we're promoting from within or bringing somebody in, um, we got to fill some position coaches. I mean, Holman Wiggins, we expect him to go to Texas. Um, we need a new safeties coach. And then defensive coordinator, I know everyone's expecting Pete to be gone, but unless we can get someone in who is better than Pete Golding, then I don't expect him to leave. So I, I don't know for sure on that. Um, and final question from Weston Laney, who will be the leaders on next year's teams with all three captains and Henry Totoa leaving for the NFL? I mean, yeah, that's a good question. You look to guys like Jace McClellan if he comes back. You look to Ja'Cory Brooks. You look to Kool-Aid. Guys like that, kind of guys that have been playing for a year and, and are in the system. Uh, Justin E. Boigby, if he comes back, which I know he said something about maybe him coming back on his Twitter account. You never really want to put those into perspective. But uh, there's a lot of guys that they're going to have their opportunity to step up over the spring and summer. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people, like you said, that have the opportunity and the ability to be a captain and leader on this team. Um, some guys that really stand out to me, I think you, you said Kool-Aid, he would be a really big guy on our defensive back to be a, a leader there. Um, if Jace comes back, he would be a really good one. He's been here forever now. Um, I think Jermaine Burton's going to be um, one guy who can do that. Dallas Turner on at the edge position, I mean, he's been with Will Anderson for three two years now, and I mean, he's learned from the best. So he'd be a really good guy coming in there. I think a sneaky guy who might be a sort of leader just because he reminds me of somebody who is like this is um, Deontay Lawson. I feel like he has the Reuben Foster in him, and I think he has a chance to be a leader, a really vocal leader and a leader who, hey, I lead with how I play. So I think there are a lot of guys who can be leaders. It's hard to go off captains for sure. Normally those are your older guys, so it can be really anybody there. But I think there's a lot of guys who have a chance to be a good hey, leader for Don't us. count out Will Riker, man. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I mean, seventh-year seventh guy now. Yeah. <laughs> Been here forever. But um, that's all the questions we have here, so if you want to wrap us up. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. Please leave us a rating. Let us know what you think. Uh, we're going to get back next week with a 2023 season preview. should be a lot of fun. But uh, until next time, guys, roll tide. Roll tide.